Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. So I'm excited because today, as we start a brand new year, we're starting a, a new teaching series, a new year teaching series, and it's called, it's called Neighboring, Love Where You Live, Love Where You Live. And I want to ask, you don't have to raise your hand if you love where you live. Some of you, some of you are like, you love where you live? Some of you are like, no, not really. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to that here, and you can wrestle with that with me, with yourself on that a little bit. But I wanted to share because I, I, you know, if you look back in all the places you live, you're like, there's, there's ups and downs of places and, uh, you know, good or bad of the places you've lived. I, but I remember my first apartment uh, in college. In fact, I never lived in, you know, I grew up in a little house with my mom and dad. I, I was an only child. And so I was pretty isolated. And so when I moved in uh, to, I guess it was called an apartment. Some would call it a dump, but it was, it was, it was a part, it was my own place. Right. And I had a roommate and then he skipped out and then I had to pay all the rent. So I'm stuck with this place, but I, I it wasn't a bad place. Uh, but it was, it was interesting though, is like 5 a.m. in the morning, uh, I would, my floor would vibrate. It was like, here's this booming voice at 5 a.m. Now, as a college student, I, I didn't go to bed until about three. So I like, this is not, two hours a night is not going to be good. Uh, this is going to hit me. So it, and it, day after day, I, in the morning, 5 a.m., right away, it was, you know, this noise, this booming voice. And so after about I don't know, several days, maybe a week. I'm like, I've had enough of this, okay? So I march down stairs and I just bam, 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 pound on the door and, and, and then nothing. And then I bam, 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 pound on the door and finally the, it stopped. And then there was no, it was just like, okay. And then I'm waiting, like, is someone going to come to the door? And, and I turn away and just as I turn away, this sweet elderly lady opens the door. Hello, this beautiful lady. Oh, can I do for you? Well, here I live downstairs. Oh, you do? Wonderful. Would you would you like to come in and and have a cup of coffee with me? You know, and it's so like okay. And I'm going in. I'm just kind of get pulled in. And then I sit down. And she goes, Oh, I just baked some fresh scones. Would you like a scone? Sure, I like a scone. So I spend time. She asks me questions of who I am and get to know me. And we're on this coffee and scones. And I look at my watch like, oh, I got to go to class. It was so good to meet you. It was so good to meet you. And, and then I go back downstairs. You know, but she was just listening. You know, before there's Wi-Fi, she had hi-fi. She's just listening to her, her hi-fi, you know, KGMI at that blaring noise. And every day, it's like, I didn't have the heart. I didn't have the heart to tell her to turn it down. I just kind of live with this, right? And I'm like, wow, she kind of, I think she was a good neighbor. I'm not sure, but she definitely, scones really helped, right? To be a good, to be a good neighbor. So I don't know what your neighboring moments have had. You know, it's interesting that, that, you know, our neighbors, I think in some ways, whether they live next door to you or below you or in your development, or they live down the road, we all have neighbors at some point. Now, you know, Whatcom County, I found that some people kind of try to avoid their neighbors. Like they live far enough away. That's kind of the goal in mind. Uh, and I'm wondering, I don't know, 
maybe it's a Pacific Northwest thing, but we're a lot more private in our culture. It seems like that, that people kind of like don't really kind of almost avoid their neighbors. And I don't know why that is. I mean, there's sometimes it's just, there's awkwardness that comes with our neighbors. And, and some of you would say that's the opposite. You would say you have great neighbors. They're, they're friendly and they're caring and they, they reach out to you, actually. You, you, they have better neighbors than your, your neighbor. And they, when you're on vacation, they watch your house. There's not any weird people showing up that's delivering packages they don't, you're not aware of. And, and other, others of you would say, well, no, actually, we have weird neighbors. You don't have to raise your hand. You're odd, odd neighbors. In fact, downright scary. And sometimes you're like, I, you know, I have no idea what goes on over there. In fact, I don't want to know. I don't want to know what's going on. But, you know, once in a while, police show up and you're just like, I don't, I want to stay away from that. Some of you would be honest to say, you really don't even, honestly, this is a hard one. You don't really know your neighbors. You, I mean, you, you, you think someone's home there. Like, you know, there's cars that pull up and go in garages and the doors shut. You'd actually never see anybody. Lights come on. You just, is anybody really home? And, and then some of you say, well, no, I, I, I have great neighbors and I have no problems with neighbors. I don't think there's any weird people at all. Well, maybe you're the weird neighbor. <laughs> the saying, okay? So neighbors are, are in our life. And, and one thing is true is this. If you believe in God and the purposes of God, that God didn't just put us on this planet to be by ourselves. In fact, if you could even believe that God uh, has you where you are for this season of your life, that you live where you live, and you're thinking, well, I didn't really choose to live here. I, did, I had other plans and all that. Regardless of all that, God in his divine scheme of things had you, has you right where you're at, and that there's purposes of your life and purposes of the neighbors that live next to you. It, it, it's a big deal. In fact, Jesus talks about being a good neighbor. In fact, Jesus ties the whole neighboring to the second commandment that, that we're actually going to take some time and focus on the next few weeks. But before we do that, before we talk about all this, because I want to lay down a foundation of not only what we're talking about of, of neighboring, but really the heart and motive behind it. So allow me, if you can, you're here in captive audience, I guess, is uh, that you're uh, to lay down some basic, deeper thoughts that, oh, I say they're basic, but they could be deeper of really our heart and our motive that I want us to reflect on this motive, this motive, this morning of what we're wanting to focus on. Uh, starting off with this is, is that You've heard, as I mentioned, the second commandment, well, which, this, the second great commandment that Jesus talks about. There's really this original 10 commandments. And we all have heard about the 10 commandments. And, and Jesus came on this earth. When he did, he called people to say, hey, those 10 are great. They're great. They are the, the 10 commandments, and we need to obey those. And he says, I didn't come to abolish them, but the reality is they're hard to fulfill. In fact, none of us without being perfect can fulfill those. I haven't come to abolish those commandments. I actually came to help fulfill them. And to, to fulfill them, I want to give you, actually focus on, uh, to fulfill the 10, I want you, you know, to focus on two. There's two commandments, the two big ones. And then really within those two commandments, you can sum it up of those two commandments, those great commandments, as with, with one word, with one word that, and that we're going to focus on here in a moment that I'll, I'll share with you. You might even know what the, the word is. But these big commandments they're, they're, that Jesus focused on, they're, they're recorded throughout the gospel. And one is actually 
that are going to be the backdrop when we talk about this neighboring series here for the next few weeks. And it's found in Luke chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles or you can look on the screen, Luke chapter 10, it starts off with this. And this, this passage is in verse 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up and, to test Jesus. But one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, let's stop for, for a moment here and take, make a note that there's multiple places in the Gospels in which there is these encounters that the religious people would have with Jesus. Their interactions, their really confrontations that would take place. And as you look at where these religious people were in their mentality, it seems like they, they were super insecure. And really that Jesus threatened them. And you're thinking, Jesus being a threat? He really was. Because he, he was threatening their way of religious system that they had set up. He was threatening them and so how he was going about it. And so they would come and test and trap him to kind of throw him off his game. And the, really the main problem is he was bucking this man-made system they had. They were about rules. He was into relationship. They're about doing the right stuff to get to God. Jesus was all about helping people understand God's kingdom and how God had reached out to, is reaching out to man specifically through him. So it was completely, Jesus in a sense kind of flipped everything on its head. And so what happened was this religious leader came to Jesus and he said this, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to, be, to inherit eternal life? Now, again, that, that's a pretty, that's, a, that, that's an honest question, but you need to realize what did Luke say that this guy came to test Jesus? So what's the motive behind it? Well, I always love Jesus' response, or many times, he answers a question with a question. He says this, what is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? The lawyer responds, so he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I think it's kind of, I think it's pretty profound because it wasn't Jesus telling of these big two commandments, which these are the big two, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, are the two big ones. Jesus does speak of those in other places, but here, this religious guy, this religious guy is the one that answers that. And if you've been a a teacher to anyone, you love when students actually communicate back the answers on which you're trying to convey to them for that. And, and, And so look at Jesus' response back. He says, you have answered correctly. It's kind of like bing, bing, bing in game show answer. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. And you're not sure exactly, but I almost kind of picture Jesus as he says, you know, do this and you'll live. And he's kind of moving on. See you later. Okay. I'm, I'm going to move on. And, and yet, you know, no, there, there, there is something very interesting. I find it, in fact, very insightful What Luke says right after that, remember the motive behind it all, he says this, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Again, the motive behind it. What was it? To test, to trap. This is, who's who's my neighbor? The question we're going to try to answer in the next few weeks 
And we're going to do that as Jesus does. As we're going to go into one of the most famous stories in all of Scripture that Jesus tells. We're going to, we're going to get there here either next week or the following week. But before we do, I, again, I want to get back to the motive part and maybe being a little picky here of Luke's comment, but I think it drills down to this issue of motive of this guy, and it possibly could be the motive of our issue, the motive of our own lives here this morning, where it says that this guy, what do you want to do? He wanted to justify himself. He wanted to justify himself. Uh, have you ever tried to justify yourself? You ever Try to do that in your life. And what is? What are we doing? We're, what we're trying to do is, with the reasons why we did what we did, or the reasons why we're trying to get out of something that we should do, but we don't really want to do. And what people call those, maybe you've used this term or heard people do that, it's really what's called a loophole. We And, and, and our very consuming lives. We look for shortcuts. We look for the quickest route. We look for the easy way out. And in our, in our hurried lives, we love loopholes. Now, if you understand very clear what a loophole is, a loophole is a way to get around a rule or law based on technicality. It, it, and we, it's subtle, but many times we do this. And our, and our world is filled with loopholes. Our, our local or our, our um, legal system, is, it thrives on loopholes, right? If you have enough money to hire the best lawyers, it helps you get, stay, out, stay out of jail. I have two, two letters, for example, of that, OJ. Okay, uh, and and OJ, you know, it, you know, he got he's, but then he, I think he didn't he get back. Then he ended up getting going to prison, and then I think he's out again, isn't he? So watch out, okay, he's out there, okay. <laughs> Another, you know, so in the legal system, do that. Our tax system is filled with loopholes. Some of you justify your pet as a business expense. I don't know how you're doing that. Good luck with that. Um, and just don't, you know, when the auditor calls, okay, we'll pray for you on that, okay? We love loopholes. There are ways to get around laws. There's ways to do things to get around, uh, say, and it's our humanist that, we, that feeds on that. And, we, and we, we did this kind of from the very beginning of our lives. Some of you, of course, maybe it's not you, others you know, but you gone, you went to a party. Your parents say, they ask this question, are any parents, are they going to be home? And, and, and you, you, you uh, come home and they find out there wasn't any parents at the party supervising. You said their parents, they're going to, parents are going to be home. And you said, well, they're going, they, they're going to be home eventually. They just weren't home during the party, okay? Tactically right, right? There's a loophole there. And we, we disobey signs with loopholes. We, the sign says, maybe if you're a skateboarder, no skateboards. Well, I only have one skateboard, right? Right? And you're like, well, you know, how about this one? This will really, I, I, picking on pet owners, uh, dogs must be on leash. Well, I only have one dog. Right? <laughs> so we do these. We, we have these little things that kind of justify ourselves. Religious people really like loopholes. Think of all the religions. They have a, a book, typically a list of, of rules to follow that nobody really can actually follow. And so then they have rules to help you, you know, follow those rules or loopholes that if you, you know, conditions so you don't have to follow those rules. They get really difficult. You look for a loophole. So drilling it down for this, it's like, you know, it, it comes down to our own heart, see, is when we're looking for loopholes, it comes down to our spiritual life. It's asking this many times when we find the loophole is this, how close can I get with actually not sinning? 
How tight can I get to the line without actually crossing over? How close can I get to the edge? How, how close can I get to the flame without getting burned? That's a motive issue. How bad really comes down to this? How bad can I be? And yet God still thinks I'm fine. So if we're really honest, if we really look at it, there, there's something not right with that mentality. We love loopholes, but deep down there's something wrong at the very root level that I want to challenge us with that affects us. And if we're basing our life or we're living a life on these loopholes, how can I get away with? How can I can just get by? How can I avoid pain and punishment? Or how can I kind of still kind of do what I want to do and get on God's good side? The problem with that is it's not fully living out in the relationship that God really wants with us. So my challenge for us with this is, is really about how we can live our lives out of intention of the heart rather than on technicalities. How many times we, you know this, we can be tactically right and miss the whole point of it all. You see, when you commit yourself as an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, there needs to come a place that you quit searching for loopholes. Jesus came not to give us good theology or standard practices of behavior to follow or standard sets of beliefs. As much as those are important, that's not why he came. You need to understand, Jesus entered a culture that's full of commands. There was religious rules upon religious rules when Jesus showed up. He was in a very religious society. Then on top of that, he was, the whole thing was over the oversight of, and control of the Roman Empire. Talk about the Romans being about, all about rules and the military oppression that they experienced. Jesus didn't come. They didn't need more rules. They, they needed an overarching principle that could be summed up the very intention of all that God's talking about. And specifically that what it talks about being a good neighbor. It's summed up in the one word. And I think you might have picked up on the word. Have you, have you figured out what the word I'm, we're talking about? The, the 10 commandments to the two commandments to the one word. What's the word? It's love. Yeah, you guys are what? It's love. It's, it's so obvious that we sometimes we can't miss it. Because after teaching and modeling, living out uh, all that was that message of love, as we look at Jesus now, we can look at the entire life of Christ and, the, and, and look at his ministry. We have that. Look back, it was all summed up in love. In fact, at the very end of Jesus' life, the, the last gathering, it's called the Last Supper, that Jesus is with his disciples and he's, he's having communion with them and he's, he's, he's washing their feet. In fact, as it's tied in in John 13 of, of showing really expressing love, he says this to them. In fact, if you really look at this, this sums up the the essence of proof if you are a follower of Jesus. If you truly are an authentic follower of Christ, this is the proof in which Jesus says. He says this, a new commandment I give you is this, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love Love one another. By this, everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's there, okay? You can't get around it. Plain and simple, Jesus is saying, you go from 10 commandments to the two, to the one word is love. What is Jesus saying? It's this. It's, it's this. It's this. If you could sum it up. It's this. Love has no loopholes. 
Love has no loopholes. Love has no, well, to kind of get out of, get around, and, and, and you know, based on technicalities. And yet, throughout history, people have created loopholes. The church even, I don't want to pick and pull apart the historical church, but it's thrived on loopholes. It's built theologies and and belief systems and practices that not enhance loving, but actually make excuses to get out of it. Now we could go look at all that, but really what we can look at is what we have is scripture. As, As it up to that up to our time today, but we can trace it all the way back to Jesus' day. The religious system back then were filled with loopholes that led to loopholes. And yet Christ came with this love movement. And you would think, you would think it would be very refreshing for people to hear this. A very liberating, right? About love. And yet not everybody liked it at all. The religious people Hated it. Why? Because it messed them up completely. Their whole life was based on these rules, rules upon rules, loopholes of these rules. They were, and what it did is it exposed these loopholes. The gospel, I tell you, you read throughout, there's many, as I mentioned, these encounters where people came to test Jesus and, 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 and trap Jesus. And, and, and it came down to the fact that they did not like the message that Jesus was communicating, this message of love that has no loopholes. Now, I want to zero in on one of these many examples, on one encounter, just to really drill it down for us, and then we'll be challenged, hopefully, at the end before we leave here. Matthew chapter 15, Jesus is confronted once again by these religious people. It says that some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders and they don't wash their hands before they eat? You read that going, what? You guys, you don't wash your hands. (gasps) You know, you read that, you're like, really? Why, Why is this an issue? Okay. Well, let me explain this a little bit. It is actually a bigger deal, and it's based all on traditions, but, but it, it's, it comes back to really command that God gave way back, way back in the Old Testament when they, were, they had the temple and they, they had the priests and they'd go in and make sacrifices. It was making sure that the, the priests were clean so they would have a ceremony, wash their hands, you know, hand to elbow, and they had this way they do this. And what was is that the, the Pharisees, so that everybody does this, like everybody does, does it right, they created a law within the law and that you should wash your hands every time you eat. That every Jewish person has to ceremonially, well, literally, in, but a, a certain way to wash your hands every time you sit down for a meal. And so this is called the tradition of the elders. And what these traditions of the elders were, and there was many of them, it was that they were rules to help you not break the bigger rules. There was rules set up to help you not break the Ten Commandments. And so rules upon rules were adding each generation. They didn't get away. They didn't take away rules. They added on to that. And so when they went from the Ten Commandments, the time they got to Jesus, you know, there was over 600 rules to help them follow the 10 rules. Hey, that's the culture they're living in. And it's kind of the same way today. We have rules or laws that help us not break the law. Let me give you kind of a, maybe a, a, a funny example. It's, but it, if you look back and talk about being a teenager, 
You might remember if you, you've ever, you had a boyfriend and girlfriend in, in high school, and your parents say to you this, say, hey, you guys, you know, in the family room or the TV room, make sure you keep the lights on. Okay, maybe you heard that or you told your kids that. Now, why do you, why do, you do that? Well, first, as a teenager, you're going, you're always telling us, dad, to take, shut off the lights because of the power bill. Now you want me to keep the lights on. I'm really confused, right? But why do they have that rule? It's the rule there so you don't break the bigger one, okay? The rule upon the rules. So sometimes those make sense. They have rules to help you not break the big rules that are there, right? That there's some wisdom with that. But what happens is the religious guys of that day, they're, they're creating almost silliness to some of these rules. It was, it was, and what was happening is Jesus came and bucked the system. He bucked the whole system of, of all these religious rules. And the, and, the, and, the, and the religious leaders hated that and it drove them nuts. And basically, Jesus comes along and says, hey, I think this whole hand-washing thing is for the birds, really. It's, it's silly what we're having to do. Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're a kid here and you're, you're, you make sure your parents are going, I hope my, my, my kids don't hear this. Hey, Jesus says we don't have to wash our hands. Uh, you know, nice try. And your response back, you know, just say, well, you're not Jesus. Okay, go wash, go wash up, right? What's behind all this? You know, listen, here's something that's real important. It's not, it's not smart to accuse Jesus of anything because he'll turn the table on you every single time by asking the question back. He basically comes to him and says, okay, all this hand-washing stuff, we're not doing it. Our guys aren't washing. Okay, here's, here's something. He says this. I got a better question for you. Jesus replied, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God has said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their, their father and mother is devoted to God, they're not to honor their father and mother with it. Now, this can be super confusing for everybody to read this, but we, most of us understand, as I mentioned the Ten Commandments, one of them, I think it's the fifth commandment, am I right on this, is to honor your father and mother. Obey your mother and father. It's a, it's a commandment there. It's an important commandment. It's one of the ten. It, it came down from the, te, the, the Mount Sinai on the, on the tablet that God wrote on to give to Moses to pass the people. It's a clear command. You can't get around it. These guys did. These guys did. They found a loophole to get around it. Well, how do you, why were you not honoring your mom and dad? Well, this is what it was. You need to understand. You, you look back, there wasn't social security back then. And there wasn't all these, you know, it wasn't assisted living or anything. And so you cared for your parents up until their death. You, you, they, you typically, you know, funded them or, and housed them and cared for them. That's just how it was back then. And so the loophole to get around it was this. And really, you can go back to scripture that there's actually a verses that talk about this. If you devote all your resources to the Lord, you give it all to God, all your resources you devote to God, then you, get, you don't have to help out anybody. You actually, and specifically mom and dad says, you dedicate all your assets to God, you get out of the responsibility. It was like this, mom and dad, hey, thank you for like giving birth and raising us and stuff. But we've dedicated all our resources to God. We, we really can't help you. We're sorry. <laughs> nice kids, right? <laughs> 
So here, that's what Jesus is looking at. Lupo is getting out of, off the hook by technicalities, but failed to get to the true intention. What is the true intention? The true intention is what? To love your mom and dad, to honor your father and mother. And so Jesus says, he says this, thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of tradition. What is he saying to him? You're more concerned about commands than the commander. You're caught up in the rules and you miss the whole heart and the tension of the first place. You guys are religious rule keepers and are missing the whole point. Now, before we, you know, jump on Jesus you know, or jump on, on that and go on our own bandwagon. Yeah, Jesus, you, you tell those guys they're messed up and they're a bunch of religious rule keepers. We can get caught up in our modern day uh, technicalities as Christians as well, and miss the true intention. So I'll pick at one. It's tithing. Here we go. Here it is. I'm glad you guys are mature today to hear this. Other people aren't here. This will be tough for them. Tithing. We can get technical about this because if, if you study the Bible enough, you discover this. It, it's a big deal in the Old Testament. It's not a big deal in the New Testament. I mean, tithing, actually, Jesus doesn't even say, hey, you should tithe. Paul doesn't say you should tithe. There's no apostle. There's nothing written in the, in the New Testament that says, thou shalt tithe. You're like, I'm off the hook. Great. Awesome. Uh, not really. Because tactically, you're right, but you're missing the true intention. What's the, what is this? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, he says, see to it that you excel in the grace of giving. We can, we can be technically right, we can get off the hook of tithing, but, but Paul and, and Jesus himself emphasizes where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's, it's a generosity thing. So you could be one ways, the, the, heart, the, the technicality is I don't have to tithe, tithing is given like 10% you know, to the church and to the Lord. I can get away, like, no, what is this? Generosity. Hmm, I wonder if generosity is more possibly more than 10%. You're saying I should get more than 10%? I don't know. The Bible says to be generous. Should I do 10%? Well, maybe that's a starting point. Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. What's the fulfillment? Generosity. So what does that look like? Well, figure that out. Be generous. The, the, the motive behind it. Is that, is, that's a good example. I'll get off that one. Um, obeying the Sabbath. Okay, you understand the Sabbath, you know, the day of rest and people go, well, it's, you know, Sunday's a day of rest. No, well, no, it's Saturday's actually Sabbath. Technically, the the Jewish people, that was the Shabbat. And so they would have their form of worship and all they do. And you're like, well, I'm not Jewish and I mow my lawn on Saturdays when spring and summer. So I don't know if I can obey the Sabbath. Well, what is the heart behind the Sabbath? What is behind it? It's rest, it's worship, and it's trusting God will provide and letting go of all the work we're doing to take that day. So these are examples. What is it behind it? The heart behind the rule. Can I say something real straight to you? You're mature people to hear this today. Is this, Jesus doesn't like it when we use his father's words to avoid doing his father's will. Ooh, drop the mic there right on that one, okay? Jesus doesn't like it when we use his father's words to avoid doing his father's will. We can find ourselves and live in a loophole Christianity by, by this as we actually take parts of scripture and we highlight, and I don't think anybody does this, but, but we can do this in our mind and our heart and our action. We can take a sharp black sharpie pen and we can mark out the parts we don't want. 
We fool ourselves by creating loopholes to avoid the whole intent and the matter. And so as a true disciple, it's not asking, how can I slide by? How can I get the minimum? How can I get to squeak by, you know, on the technicalities of living? How close can I get to sin without sinning? No, the better questions for us to ask are this. How far, how far can I get away from sin? How close can I get to God? How can I grow in the knowledge, experience, and the power that God has for my life and this greater work? that he wants me to do and the, and the greater love that he's called me to, it comes down to that. Disciples grasp the true intention of what it means to be a follower of Jesus by obeying the command. What's the command? It's the command. It's the command of all commands. It's summed up in one word. And what's that word? Love. It's love. Jesus says this. He says, love one another. It's not about following the law, but it's about loving God and loving others. Religious people, listen, follow the rules and they look for, look, and they do it out of appearance. See, if we have people that come that, and it's awesome. If you're here today and you're not sure where you are in your faith journey, and you're just kind of checking things out and not sure about being a Christian and all that, we're glad you're here. We want Christ the King to be a place for you can get questions answered and for you to kind of navigate through your spiritual journey. We really want to create for space for that. But here's the thing. You know an answer that we do, and sometimes you see it more than we do as, as Christians, is this. is you, you, you we, People that, you know, pretend and, and act in a certain way and live a certain way. It's called, it's called being hypocrites. In fact, you as a non-Christian, you could see that. Non-Christians see it more than we can. And that's, it is hypocrisy. So, so these religious leaders, this specific, this lawyer who's testing Jesus is asking the question, who is my neighbor really kind of anyway? And so what he's trying to do is justify himself. How easy for us to do the same, that we can justify ourselves out trying to get out of the greatest commandment, and that is love. And it all comes back to the heart, and it comes back to the intention. Looking back that one morning when I was so upset, you know, so tired, waking up at 5 a.m., I just, like, I had enough. And within me, I had this righteous indication where there's this anger within me, but I had a right to be angry. You know what I mean? Because the the tenant agreement has quiet hours, right? 10 p.m. to, you know, 8 a.m. or whatever it is. It's supposed to be quiet in my apartment complex. This person, this whoever's causing the noise downstairs, he or she, they need to be talked to. I either can go and talk to my super superintendent, or I'm going right down there. I'm going right down there. I'm gonna. I, I've got my rights. I could. I could print them off and hand them to this person to let them know that, man, you need to turn this thing down. This is not right. And and I can demand my rights. And and I can. You know, I'm technically right, right, to do that. So what happened when I showed up was something completely different. I, I was completely wrong. I had. I was. I was right technically but I was wrong to the very core, really rotten to the very core of my own heart was the lack of love. This lady, beautiful, wonderful elderly lady, beautiful smile on her face, wonderful coffee and those scones, those scones showed me what love is. Help me understand what friendship looks like. Help me understand what being a good neighbor is all about. She modeled to me 
what love looks like, that love has no loopholes, but actually opens the door to allow people to come in their life. See, the genuine love does not look for a way out, but genuine love looks a way in our relationships. Jesus told us again, they will know, they will know you are one of my disciples, one of my followers, if you love one another. And see, that's what the first century did. They, they leveraged love and they changed the world. Is, is there no different calling that we have in 2018? It could be 2017 and 16. It doesn't matter. It's the same call. And it's the call to love, to love without loopholes. What does that mean? Is respond with opportunities that come our way, to be proactive to seek, to care, to encourage, to listen, to pray, to give, to help, to, to, to stay with people, just to be there with people, people that are around us, people that are live below us, above us, next door to us, down the street, a cubicle next to us, the very, the very neighbors, the very, literally the very neighbors, because the motive and the message is love. And as we wrap up, I, we have to come to this place of honesty, though. And this honesty is this, do we really feel that love? Do we really deep down, listen, we live in a very sin-saturated, deeply rooted, selfish world, and we will find ways to get out of this. We will find ways, loopholes to get out of it. Yet, we need to be reminded of the motivation of it all. And where love and the motivation comes back is this, we have the ability to love because of this. We have been loved first. We have been loved first. Can you read with me? First John 4, just as I read it, just listen to these words. It says to remind us of it all. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loves us, we ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Invite our team to come as we pray. Think about this. Aren't you glad that that God didn't choose a loophole for our lives? Aren't you glad that, that God recognized what this world needed, what we specifically needed was his love? And not just to tell us that he loved us, but demonstrated his own love for us for Christ to come and die for us, to show us what love is. And in, in a sense, not in a sense, in reality, is when we embrace his love, when we truly, genuinely know and experience the love of God, and we experience knowing the love of God because of the grace of God, to save our sorry souls, to change and transform our lives, to go from darkness to light, to go from imprisonment to freedom, to go to a place where we're in bondage to, to a place of living out this amazing life of liberty that God has given us. Is it not, is it not what we're called to do is to love him back by loving others? Isn't it the least we can do for all that he's done for us? That be overwhelmed with gratitude, to love people that are easy to love, and how about this, to love people that are hard to love, even the people that are not even like us, even, even our very next door neighbors. (laughs) Wow. So who's our neighbor? 
Well, we'll get to that next week. We'll address that question. We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more. But let me just close with this question and then we'll, we'll pray here. I promise we'll do it here. Is what does love require of me? This last question is, what does love require of me? What, is, what does that mean? Well, it means that all, what all God has done, what all Christ has accomplished, now our turn. What does love require of us? Not what the not what the rules say, not what the right thing to do, not what the Bible says. You're thinking I shouldn't follow the Bible. No, I, but we can make that. We can we can create loopholes to get out of loving people all the time. We can say, oh, we're busy. We got this. We do. We can we can find ways to get out of it. No, no, no. What does love? At the end of the, if that is the command, if it's summed up in all that we do, is love. What does it require of us? What does it require of our marriage? What does it require of our parenting, our job, our boss, our friend, those personal relationships that we have? See, it's a question of, it's the question of transformation. To love in such a way, in this, we go into this new year, to love our very neighborhood. To love. It took a sweet elderly lady to show me what love requires. To open up her very door to me in an expression of friendship and love. To care in a small little way, say, I want to know you, my neighbor. I was wondering, she says, I was wondering who lives below me. <laughs> I'm like, I want to know who lives above me. This is noisy. And I walked away realizing that as I'm hearing the every morning, it's okay. That's a wonderful, wonderful person that reached out to me. I want to do the same. And I tell you, homemade scones sure help in the process to do that, don't they? The little gesture, the little things that we can do to care in such a way that God has called us all to do. It's super simple. Wow. So hard. But we start now. We start this fresh new year. Will you join me with that? Will you? I, I commit to this. I, can you commit with me? Could we, could we see what God could do here and believe for that uh, uh, expression of the greatest expression of love that Christ did for us? We can do the same to love. To love without any, any, any loopholes. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time and opportunity. Thank you for this brand new year. And and uh, it's just a date change, but Lord, it's exciting because we're starting afresh and, and, and some of us have already, you know, made some kind of resolutions and goals and wonderful things that are good to do, Lord, to, to look ahead and just to, it's good to be disciplined, Lord. But God, if we, if we miss, if we, if we miss the whole motive of it all, Lord, if we miss why we do what we do, and that is to live a life of love. Lord, to love you with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And in this whole thing of loving our neighbor as ourself, Lord, we've missed the whole point of it all. So Lord, we commit ourselves to you toward that. God, I pray today for those of us that would feel a little blah and all. Lord, will you remind us of the fact as we're struggling to love, Lord, and, and even the, in the heart and the desire to, to love in such a way. But God, will you remind us once again that how much you loved us and how you proved it to us. That this is love. Not that we love God, but that you loved us first, Lord. And Lord, help us 
as we learn that you've loved us first and loved us best, that we can do the same. And we're called to live this life of love. We need your love to do that. We can't do it on our own, Lord. So fill us with that love that we can express it, Lord, and we can we can model you as followers, authentic followers of you, we pray in Jesus' name.